Uh, so we're going to go through updates as always timeline first, and then we're going to run through some more specific updates as we get closer to the 20th, but also as we get close to not the soft launch, but the primary launch, which we're going to start discussing here, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So like it, we got a lot on our plate. Obviously we're just trying to hit timelines and knock out items. All right. So light paper V3 seems to be done. But we're still working on our V2 build on the website. So this is updates from last week and what's carried over. We're commencing the contract audits. A lot of this stuff actually has to go up tonight. I've been working on this stuff literally around the clock. It's been a pain in the ass, but also very interesting. Been having lots of problems with test networks as of lately. It's been crazy. Also working on the incorporate the token generation entity. So this is also, we've been working with legal team which hopefully we'll be able to share a little bit more details on after we get some more stuff finalized with them. I think you guys will be very happy to find out more about that. And then also, we even though it says the review tokenomics modeling is done, this is going to keep going on. And I'm pretty sure that we'll probably get to a, a point of versioning these out too. So V1, V2, V3, so on and so forth. The reason being is that the bonds are going to change over time and we'll hopefully add different products and include things like staked versions of tokens, so on and so forth. So very exciting to see, but we would call the review is actually done. Deploy ETH contract to mainnet. This probably happened, I know I said this would happen last week. This probably happened this week, just because we've been a little delayed on getting stuff out to the auditors. We'll probably do that this week. We'll also run through a lot of the minting. I think I've deployed now probably about 150 times to Gurley for different versions of the contract and testing. So um, I'm sure if you guys know my test wallet, you can probably go check it out and see all the activity that's going on there because it's been literally crazy. But this week, what do we got going on? <clears throat> oh yeah, actually, let me back up real quick. Deploying ETH to mainnet, usually that happens right before the launch, but we'll probably do it a few days beforehand and just make sure everything's tested, ready to rock and roll. It will be deploying on new wallets too. So if you know my dev wallet, it's not going to be any good because... Uh, all this stuff will get set up on a container and secured, and then we'll launch everything, test it. And once everything has been tested on mainnet, we lock it down and then we dispose of the instance that we use to launch everything. And then the keys are locked down too. So just kind of part of our security practice. So let's see, I'll still be working on contract audits. In fact, contract audits, even though it doesn't show it on here, is going to continue throughout the month um, just because we also have multiple versions already planned. So you'll probably see this one even past soft launch and probably even past the initial launch of the protocol. Next, we're working on KYC and KYT tools. Right now we've landed on our KYT, so know your transaction tools, which will be implemented, which will also be very helpful as we jump into a more regulated environment. We know that these things are going to probably be required here to operate in the United States since most of these companies that we're working with are located in Canada, but still operate here in the United States. And a lot of our investors, or I would say contributors are here in the United States. We have to have some minimum standard of at least know your transactions. Also team members are working on gamification of the community. So there's a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes to make it interesting and fun. And they're currently working on this. I know that there's quite a bit that's happening behind this as well as like non-economic NFTs that we have. So NFTs that are more about rewards, participation, also being a part of the initial round will also be a part of that. So very exciting. After that, we launched in 
soft launch on the 20th. So that'll be our airdrop of the actual first version Mint notes, which will be coming out. After that, there'll be token claim for friends and families that were part of the pre-sale. Um, and then also this sets the timestamp on the initial bonding event. So this will be good for everybody that's been waiting patiently from the pre-sale. You'll finally have the timestamp that you can go back to. And then beyond that, airdrop pre-sale contributor. Thank you, NFTs. You'll find out more about this when we actually do it. We're not going to drop too much information about this beforehand. Uh, and then designing, we actually start designing. I think this says it's completed, but we already have a front end for it. But if we were going to design our own, I think we still have some more creative stuff we have to do for designing out the governance front end. Beyond that, community marketing comes out later in May. Jumping for, sorry, let me jump forward to May, but community marketing activities, general availability launch of Protocol, uh, launch liquidity pools on Uniswap, whitelist mint for VIP NFT, launch Protocol Lore. And then finally out to June 23rd, developing lending pipeline and source lending deals. All right, so give a little update. Again, we'll keep you guys up to date every single week with what's happening as we get closer to some of these key target dates as well. Just bear with us. And we're not going to spend a lot of time beforehand doing more community announcements for this right now, just because we're really heads down just working on stuff. So sorry if we've been a little slow to respond. Everybody here has been extremely busy. So updates on the contract audit, contract revisions to enable pre-mint token supplies delayed on the lockdown at GitHub. But this should be done here hopefully shortly, freeing this up and then letting us go through the next stage of contract audit and revision. Uh, the light paper V3. So I know we've got quite a few questions in cloud chat about the light paper version three that'll be coming up. It's still in progress. We've got the modeling done. But we're also reviewing not just the, the tokenomics model. We also have to test the pools. We have to test what happens across, I would say, it's a Monte Carlo simulation, if you're familiar with that, that is. And we just try to plug as many different uh, possibilities into a simulation and let it run out random events that may happen over the period of time to try to predict what kind of issues you run into. So, yeah, and we've also got, we've got, also got an external party which is going over our tokenomics. So they've been engaged. We want, we want to make sure that things are the most fair and equitable and we have a sustainable tokenomics model. So they're basically going to do a full audit of the entire thing. So again, this kind of won't impact launch or anything like that, but it is something we're running in parallel to make sure we get things right. Yeah, we've been also instructed that flexibility is going to be key right now as far as how we model everything. What that means is having updatable versions of contracts, other things. So we're going to try to keep as much of the contracts as we can immutable, but we do have versions of contracts that will be upgradable because of the changing requirements of the landscape. It doesn't mean that it can't be made immutable. It just means that initially, in case anything happens, um, you know, we'll be able to take any kind of corrective action for, let's say, if the political landscape happens to change and we need to change the types of tokens that are being generated. It makes it all possible and it makes it all fall under the same contract so we don't have to redeploy all new contracts and have people mint over or swap over. It just makes it a lot easier. But it also means that we can uh, grant access and destroy access and privileges, which will make that contract literally immutable. It's just like having a traditional contract. It just won't be able to be updated. That's it. Okay. After that, incorporations, this is just going to keep going on. In fact, there will be multiple corporations probably generated after this just to protect the IP, the product, 
the team are making this a lot that goes into it, but we've already got most of our base stuff already set up. So I think we're good to go. Anything that comes out of this now is probably just ancillary to what the core product is and the core infrastructure that we have from a legal and a legal entity representation. Um, also, the legal team has been engaged to triage the way that we have things set up. And it seems like we've been on the right path pretty much this whole time. So good to get confirmation. They've been talking to us pretty good about the last week about other considerations that we should take. I think what it comes down to is really just being upfront with our disclosures and everything else when we go in, probably the best way. But I don't want to get down a rabbit hole. I've got some other really exciting stuff to talk about. Beyond that, claim functionality has been built, can be tested as beta. The team's been testing. I think we minted like 140 of these already that are actually on the test net on OpenSea. They're really ugly. They're not supposed to look good because they're not the final product. So if you happen to find them, don't judge. I did my best without being a designer and I just wanted something up uh, visually, but the view of those is also something that is upgradable. So uh, everything renders on chain right now, but we probably have a couple different off-chain assets just to make them look really cool. Let's see what else. The KYT, sorry, the Know Your Transaction tool integration is underway and hopefully we won't have to sign anything with anybody and start any kind of like third-party fees until we're ready to go mainstream, but mid-April. So the 15th to the 20th, and us between the 15th and the 20th, hopefully everything will be ready to rock and roll. Besides that team, like I said, is working diligently on the V2 rebuild and there's some real, really dope content coming out from there. All right. So what's happening in the market and what's really exciting. I know I went and shared some articles last week with everybody, but this is one of the ones that I pulled for this week uh, and didn't go over last week, but it's. I would say it, it also harkens back to us being on point with what we're trying to do. So the first one is coming out of Forbes and here I'll share this article. I think I can share this one in cloud chat. Yeah, go ahead and have a look through it. When you get a chance, I'll go through the bullet points here. But they're talking about real world assets and crypto. A traditional funds and asset issuers have started to tokenize alternative assets through public crypto networks. The tokenization of real-world assets has renewed interest in bringing assets on-chain and generated new opportunities for yield generation with DeFi. The private equity firm Hamilton Lane has partnered with Securitize to tokenize a portion of its $2.1 billion flagship, flagship equity fund on the Polygon network. I, why Polygon? I don't know, but probably because it's cheap. <laughs> Anyways. The Monetary Authority of Singapore has announced that Project Guardian, a pilot program, I actually know someone who's working on Project Guardian, a pilot program to tokenize bonds and deposits that can be used in various DeFi strategies. What this also means is bonding. There's some really good DeFi bonding protocols. Barnbridge is one uh, that's out there that's like a very generic bonding protocol. You can use something called UA, which is Universal Market Access, which is also pretty interesting. But those are... I would say those are probably not going to realistically be used for traditional finance assets. So we're perfect in a decentralized, like a fully decentralized model. But unfortunately for these larger market products where you're dealing with billions of dollars, the issuers tend to have a little bit more control over what's going on. It's part of the security standard. But anyways, that's one of the reasons why we try to remain flexible because there's a good opportunity that if any of this stuff begins to get securitized, we have to convert over to a 1600 contract type, which is a security contract type. 
And things get really freaking interesting when that starts to happen. DeFi protocols are embracing real-world assets as a source of collateral for new investment opportunities, providing more consistent returns for investors. Tokenized real-world assets offer benefits such as lower investment minimums, increased access through fractional ownership, increased trading of previously illiquid assets, enhanced transparency and security, and automated ownership, management, and compliance. Pretty funny because I've been stating this stuff for years. It's just great to hear other people harken back to what I say here all the time. And then let's see here. Oh, yeah. Continuing on. Oh, wait, is this the second one or the third one? I'm lost now. Oh, I, t- I totally botched this one because it's the wrong link here. <laughs> all right. So what's the goal? Is DeFi must offer higher yields than traditional investments to remain competitive and attract capital. DeFi applications such as Maple Finance, Goldfinch, and Centrifuge Pool Funds from crypto holders and lend them out to generate yield through various strategies. Tokenizing real-world assets allows DeFi to tap into some of the largest financial markets, such as global real estate and non-financial corporate debt. It's funny because you know what industry touches all of this? Cannabis, <laughs> right? It's real estate, it's agriculture, it's assets such as equipment, which would be like equipment loans. It's also hard money lending, it's factoring, but it's pretty much every type of corporate debt that you could think of is embroiled in this industry, which is great. Uh, Probably one of the most exciting parts about this too. So when evaluating yield-generating opportunities, investors should consider the track record of the existing DeFi applications that leverage real-world assets and the risk parameters in the sector's diversification among borrowers for uncollateralized DeFi lending platforms like Maple. So Maple does the due diligence upfront as part of what they market. Instead of lending capital directly, investors can bet on the success of real-world asset-focused DeFi protocols by buying their native tokens. So rather than just picking one specific thing to invest or to lend to, let's say, you can just buy the native token and get exposure to the whole entire portfolio. Jeez, what does that sound like? All right, anyways, coming down to one more that I think is also important, which is also a great talking piece to anybody that's interested in sharing this with their friends. I'm trying to grab this link and it keeps taking me to the next page. Let me, whatever. Let's do this the old school way. Slideshow, back to it. Here we go. All right. You guys know who Larry Fink is? Probably one of the most important people in finance in history, especially right now, dealing with BlackRock. Anyways, so Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, is surprisingly optimistic about the digital asset space in his annual letter to shareholders. So this is what he sent out to his shareholders. And if you read the document, he addressed several areas of interest that BlackRock, including advances in digital payments across emerging markets, the development of markets like the U.S. Oh, sorry. Let me back up. Emerging market. uh, uh, Including advances in digital payments across emerging markets, the promise of tokenization, and how this contrasts with the sluggish advancements in developed markets like the U.S. Fink believes that the tokenization of asset classes offers the prospect of driving efficiencies in capital markets, shortening value chains, and improving cost of access for investors. While BlackRock will continue to explore the digital asset ecosystem, Fink's letter emphasizes the need for regulation and operational excellence. So that's it. The sentiment is turned, you guys. These people are now completely disheveled from traditional finance. And I think that almost all the hedge fund managers are going to basically sing the same tune. This narrative is powerful. It is exactly what we want to see, and it puts us right in the limelight of where I think all the attention is going to be focused with the most unique product pitch I think I've seen to date. So that's it for today. We've got a lot that we need to catch up and do. 
We had some really great questions last week, and I was hoping that we could get some more and spend some time answering some questions today. I'm reading the tree chat, so feel free to unmute your mic if you have any questions, or feel free to ask them in cloud chat. But other than that, yeah, chugging along. Things are moving along. And uh, hopefully you'll start to see a lot more of this stuff in the news as RWAs or real-world assets begin to literally lead this whole next charge into a bull market. It's going to be very exciting. Do we got any questions, guys? I know today's a short one. We got to get back to work. We got a lot of stuff going on. If not, let's call it. And I appreciate you guys hanging out. Thanks for joining us. I know this was like a 15-minute overview this week. Unless you guys got anything else. Appreciate it. It's going to be exciting, guys. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, PBJB. What a player. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, man. It was that today. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye. Peace.